0: He's coming around, he's coming around. I'm not leaving my wingman. He's gonna get us, he's gonna get us. I'm not leaving my wingman. Today's process is this. Misfits are my mantra. Sit back, relax, let's light the lantern. Wade Skalsky here, lawyer, online entrepreneur, and your guide to the understory. Because this place is filled with monsters and bandits, here comes your first warning. Although I am a lawyer, this podcast is not for legal advice. If you work with me, you must have a signed agreement. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. All right, let's enter the understory. Remember, admission is free, but understanding always has a price. Let's light the lantern. What is up, Rangers? Those of you who are in the understory against your will, and those of you who are in the understory on paper, on purpose, Wade Skalski here, the understory lawyer. All right. Oh, we got Blind Lil in the house. Decided she wanted to just uh, snore right there. Coming to you from the garage bunker. Got an interesting, got a very interesting episode, podcast episode for you today. So, all right, here's the deal I'm going to tell you a little story about my son, Luke. I talk about Madeline a lot because she's kind of a pill and she can talk back and there's a lot of different interactions. So I feel like Luke has been, Luke has been getting the short shrift, if you will. Uh, I need a thesaurus or a dictionary of some kind to know what the word uh, shrift means, but it sounds like I should use it there. So my brain will throw words that I haven't used in 20 years at me sometimes or also will just throw me words from, you know, from the 1800s. Just happens, Wade, son of Dwayne. You know. Well, there we go. A little medieval issue. All right, here we go. So my son, we've started to start to get. Uh, we started to get him going to activities because he had some serious sharing problems. <laughs> He'd be like, no, like any time any kid would come up to him, um, no, mine. Because he's the last six months. It's just been me, my wife, Matt, and Madeline. And uh, Madeline's always taking everything away from him because she's, you know, bigger and stronger than him. And we're trying to get her to not do that. But he is the least powerful person in the house. And so he suffers for it. Like, and he's in the twos. So it upsets him. And so we're working on it and sharing and all that. But it's I never used to think that birth order was a thing. I was like, what's the big deal? Birth order, whatever. It's a thing. Like, there's a reason because it's the experience of the second kid is is night and day from the first kid it's just you know your first kid gets all the attention that you place on them because there's only one of them and then the second one gets half the attention but then also what you don't think about is the older child's ability to in- impose their will on the younger child like I never I personally never thought about that maybe you did because you're super smart and uh, you know those things but I didn't ever think about it and I'm not willing or I am totally willing to admit that so in any event so we're starting to um, integrate him into activities like my gym. We're going to do swim lessons, um, take him to the park. We're trying to do play dates. and and the the impact was immediate. Like he he has chilled out once we started doing that. His his. Um, protectionism like you know the tariffs that he had imposed and all the other children the protectionism started to fall away and he became more of a laissez-faire economics kind of guy so he's kind of letting things go up but anyway so it was my job to basically i was like trying to tell chris and hey i'll take him to the i'll take the kids to the um the my gym sibling day on saturday give my wife a break i was like i'll take him not knowing what i was gonna get myself into so because the age difference, like Madeline is, is sort of on the outside of the age difference, like the of the bell curve of that class. She's, she's at the end or a little bit over, and Luke is on the other side of the bell curve. So it's not a super good fit, but it's a really good fit to get them out of the house. So I take them over to this thing. And uh, no, it's Jibbery. That's right, Gymboree. Ah, uh, Jibbery. And uh, so I'm not going to lie to you. The Jibbery that we're going to right now, the the franchisee owner of the Gymboree that we attend right now, I don't know if they skipped Jibbery school or because we were spoiled. We went to this. We had this Gymboree in Valencia. It was the golden age of Jibbery, where there was like all these all these ladies. Or I'm not saying a man couldn't do the job, but there were these ladies that were there. And and they were all awesome. And they had like high, super high energy level. They the songs, everything they did perfectly. They were really flexible, so they didn't get kind of into the rote. I've got to do it this way. And that is not what we're experiencing right now. We're kind of on the the B team of let and Alicia. Say any event. So I take him to this class. It's, just, it's They're playing around and then they get them in a circle. And so Madeline knows the drill because she's gone to Gymboree since she was like six months old. And I'll never forget, when I took Madeline to Gymboree, to like baby Gymboree, you would lay your baby down on the ground and then you would sing to it. And then you would try to get your baby to do something. And all the other babies were kind of doing what they were supposed to do. But Madeline was just doing whatever she would She was just not having it. She's like, whatever, I'm not going to do that. And I was starting to get frustrated because... In the very beginning of the experience with my children, I had a, like, I kind of want to try to fit them in the, you know, fit them in the groove, right? Like, like, get them like to be like lemmings, like do what they're supposed to do. Because that's, I guess I did that. I was, I was not, I was not really a rebel in school. I just, I didn't really do anything, but I I, I never felt, I always kind of tried to participate. But I don't remember what I was like when I was a baby. It was the 70s when I was a baby. So I'm fairly certain, you know, my parents... Didn't put us in preschool. That's for sure. I vaguely remember kindergarten. Um, that's when the sort of the the uh, the psychological torture for me started. So so I was like I was like okay I'm gonna make sure that they fit in. Madeline fits in and she just did whatever she wants. She's a baby and I remember being frustrated. And then I kind of worked through that. And I was like this is stupid. Like this is stupid. This is baby class. Like whatever. Yes, I know Lily. Could you please wake up? Thank you. Um, anyway, so uh, so I adopted this. I adopted this. This kind of relax, Like, I don't really care. They don't... We'll try get again to participate or whatever. But I had never really taken Luke to a jimberi class before. So we, we had Luke in the... So Madeline know the drill. She's sitting on the triangle. She's playing with the maracas, whatever... And Luke, you cannot get him to do anything. He is—he is a barbarian. He is a Viking. He's a—he his wife, his uh, his wife, well, early. His mom is Norwegian, and they, I'm I'm certain they come from Vikings. And he got all the Viking. He got like 50% North Dakota farm boy, 50% Viking equals 100% non-compliance. And that kid doesn't matter what all he wants to do is play in the car like he loves the car he's like if you would just put me if you had a if you could do a gymboree just made out of a car he would do that like one million percent, like that's that's, that's it. He would pay a million dollars just playing the car. He's running around Jamboree. He's running up the the ladder. He's going across the obstacle course. He's not. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. You know, get him to do his thing. But by this time, I'm digging it. I think it's hilarious. All the other moms are looking at me because their compliant children are like doing what they're supposed to do, and my son's causing a ruckus. And personally, I think it's kind of funny. Number one. But number two, I remembered with Madeline as the experience I had with her and trying to get her to, quote, conform. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. And, and, and as much as I say that, yeah, I conformed in school, like I attended school. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I went to college, I went to law school. So there was some conformity. But other than that, like I pretty much did the bare minimum at every stage of my academic career to just accomplish the goal of graduating from high school, graduating from college, graduating from law school. And and a lot of the carnage in my life is as a result of trying as is, is, is the times I tried to fit in. It's the times I try to fit in. I try to do like the, the traditional lawyer thing with the traditional suit and um, and like look I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you like I have I have some horsepower in my brain for the legal profession. I had some really good results but I would always run afoul of the legal, profession because i always try to sit on the triangle so whenever i try to just sit on the triangle and just kind of do the maracas if you're on the live stream this was my maraca move but on the podcast only it's just i'm moving them back and forth very slowly both in unison for maracas just carnage personally hated it and it just i never got the results that i wanted it just didn't work right it's it's whenever i was whenever i was basically just let my creative brain run wild and and I learned how to harness it was when I was like kicking butt and doing great and people like how did you do that like that's the how did you do that sentences about my life have never been when I was trying to conform to anything and so once I started to realize that and I was like a total misfit but, but a misfit wasn't a negative I just came real chill with my kids Luke's running around like a effing crazy person and he's rah, 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 rah. he's jumping in the, the the inner tube he's rolling around in it he's like going up to other kids he's like rah, rah, rah. And, he's, and he's not assaulting anyone or anything he's actually learning how to share but there's just certain times he's like I'm not I'm sorry I'm not sitting for the jumbo song not gonna do it, and so you know what I did is like I just didn't care. Madeline was Madeline was just playing along, and she's laughing because she knows at any moment she's gonna like burst out of there, and she did. She's like, "Why am I doing this?" So she throws a throws a ta- the the maracas down, not the tambourine, and uh, it would have been cool if it would have been a tambourine if she would have thrown like a frisbee and like hit a kid in the face like that would have been awesome. Just like bam, and then jumped up and like run around with her brother. She started running around with her brother, and all the other kids are doing what they're supposed to do, and my kids are just doing their own thing misfits for the class and I was like alright I got a little I got a little uh, I got a little Viking in Luke and uh, Madeline can be a Viking too So no not, it's not gender stereotyping they can both be Viking berserkers and they're running around like crazy people and, and everyone at Jumboree is looking at me like I'm doing something wrong but I'm like hey I'm paying for this so sorry I get to my kids get to utilize the gym in the way they see fit, and right now it's running around like crazy Vikings, and they're uh, pillaging the Gymboree universe, and that's uh, that's a you problem, it's not a me problem, and they were great, they didn't hurt anybody or themselves, which is a win, and um, got them in the car, took them home, and I, my wife got a break, and I was like super dad. Why do I tell you the story? The reason why I tell you the story is because I'm at a weird i in a weird place right now in business. Um, the podcast, you know, we're on episode 135. I'm Ron Burgundy. Episode 135 for the podcast. We're starting to do live streams. The book is basically written in my head. First draft done on second draft. But this stuff takes a while. Like this, the building, the audience, getting you guys in here. Um, it doesn't happen fast. And... And the thing is, is that we have a lot of financial, we have a lot of financial pressures. Like I paid for my daughter's preschool today. I paid for a uh, jazz class today, you know, swim lessons paid. And that's just, that's just my daughter. Right. And then obviously the place, you know, pay for the house tomorrow, the first of the month, you know, pay for the pay, pay, pay for where you live. I've got a lot of social, we've got a lot of, um, I've got a lot of financial pressures right now because the, the, the way that I traditionally made money, I shut down. The new way that I make money is up and down, up and down, because it's just in the beginning phases, which is a difficult time for any entrepreneur. When you don't have consistent cash flow, it's stressful. And that's something that you have to learn to um, endure, if you will. And I'm not aware of anyone as an entrepreneur that hasn't experienced it, especially when you're making pivot moves, right? Like you're trapped in a nine to five right now. I'm talking to you, nine to five guy. And you want to start your own business, and you think it's this panacea that's going to fix everything. And done correctly, it will give you what you want. But there are bumps in the road, and one of the reasons why I do what I do is because I want to try to decrease the bumps in the road as much as I can for you. But I can't eliminate them. That's just part of being an entrepreneur. And so, what does that have to do with my kids being misfits? Well, I'll talk to somebody today and. The whole concept of a value ladder basically is there are three people in my value ladder. There's there, there are guys who are stuck in a nine to five and they want to start a business and they want to transition out. There are people who are being commoditized and then the next level is there are people being commoditized by the gig economy and um, they're trying to figure out how to maneuver their, their, their service into a business. And then the third level is entre- current entrepreneurs who want to pivot from the business that they have. Common wisdom says, start with your content, and start with your offerings to either the middle or the end of your value ladder, right? So for me, the best place to start would be established entrepreneurs who already have a business. Why? Well, they have money. Like they can afford the price point of my trust and estates work, right? It's not, it's, legal work is not inexpensive. But that's, and so I was talking to a guy today and um, there's an organic, an organic sort of a program which is like the next skill that I've identified it's a skill that I've identified um, that I need to develop on the skill stack right and so and and I'm trying to figure out is this the next place I'm going to go and I thought about my son and then I thought about you you hooligans stuck in a nine to five right now and if I was to do that then that I would the suggestion was I should target the entrepreneurs who are already set and it was very Attractive to do that It was very um, Tempting Like Really tempting Because as I'm cutting checks Quote cutting checks As I'm paying bills today And you know we're paying the bills And everything like that And it used to be that, That Those bills never hurt Right. Or not that they hurt, but they never were a problem. So, but it's like, we're not being daddy warbucks around here right now with the pivot. And yes, the easy move would be to focus to the entrepreneurs. And when you listen to this, maybe, you know, maybe this is episode 135. Um, Maybe we're on episode 300 or 457. And you're listening to this and I've already moved up the value ladder and I've done that. But here's the thing, man, is that as tempting as it is to do that and as tempting as it was to maybe engage that guy, I would then in effect leave my misfits behind. And I'm a misfit. The understory lawyer is a presentation of legal services in a way that nobody else is doing because I frankly, I, I don't want to try to fit in. I want to do it the way that I do it. I want to use my big brain to help people uh, create and protect businesses that they care about and that they don't come back to me five years later and say, I'd hate my business that you helped me create and protect. And also too is I want people to stay married because marriage is awesome, but it's really hard when you're trying to do an entrepreneur. And there's a gigantic group of people which are my misfits like me who are stuck in a nine to five, which I've been stuck in a nine to five three times that I know I can help them get out, I can help them decrease a lot of the conflict and stress, and they may not have all the cash right now to be able to afford me on the legal side, but you know what they can't afford? Is my book, Free Plus Shipping. You know what they can't afford? Is my course, after the book. Then they can afford the next book and the next course, and then you hit the legal services. If they have the cash now, they want to jump to legal services, great. But I did not want, to just like the scene from Top Gun, which I talked about in the intros, like I'm not leaving, my wingman. I'm starting at the bottom of the value ladder and it's not the sexiest place to start. Um, you hooligans have a lot of, you have a lot of road to travel. In some ways you have like very little road to travel in terms of for you. You're much closer to having a business and being able to leap from your nine to five than you think, but you have a lot of road to travel on your head and the amount of work that it's going to take me to keep giving you concepts and pounding these concepts into your head to get you to see because of cognitive dissonance, because your commerce consciousness cannot solve your commerce problem, to get you to do from the side learning, to get exponential growth, both in your connections and in your commerce, it takes a lot of work. It's And and it's a pain in the, pain in the neck. Here's that cursing thing. I can't curse now. <laughs> You're a pain in the neck. But I was the pain in the neck. And... I wouldn't want someone like me to leave me behind, the version that I was. If I could go to myself when I was in the prosecutor's office, or if I could go to myself when I was in the the DUI firm, or if I could go to myself when I was in the national, the national federal firm, in a, who I am now, you know, the prosecutor's office was tw- nineteen ninety, so twenty years ago, the. Um, DUI firm that I worked at was like 17 years ago and then the national firm was like 10 national federal firm was like 10 years ago so like there's like you know it's like bookends each little time or whatever but if I could take my book and my course and my my experience and my frameworks and my mindset to me in either of those places I could help that guy and he didn't have anyone to go to because the the, the magical codexes the courses and the coaches were not They weren't written for that guy to be successful. They were written to get money out of that guy. But I don't believe a lot of those things were written for that guy to be able to to really get the results that he needed. Those are for quote the other people. I was a misfit. And misfits are my mantra. And it's the hard road. But like my medallion that Jordan gave me is that the, the obstacle is the way. The hardest. The hardest thing to do is almost always the right thing. I don't know why it's the resistance of life, it's the resistance of the universe. I don't know why that is. Smarter people than me probably know. I just know that it's true. And I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving my wingman behind, I'm not leaving you behind, I'm not taking the easy road as easy road road out as much as I would like to, which would make everything so much easier to just market to the people who have the cash and just pay me and I just, I give them some value. But that, that part of the value ladder, if I don't start at the beginning and if I don't go through the book process and if I don't go through the seed launch and if I don't go through the courses that I'm going to do, then I can't serve the entrepreneurs who want to pivot from their businesses as well as I could, but for because the, the, I've already learned, just writing this book, the, I've already learned so many lessons that are gonna help phase two and phase three. And so I know that common wisdom says the smart business move is to start in the middle of the value ladder with a high ticket offer or a medium ticket offer, you know, two grand or so, right? I can't, it won't be as good. It won't, I mean, I can offer awesome value right now in the middle of the value ladder for legal service. I can, I'm really good at it. And I have the smartest nerds in the world in my basement. So between me and my nerds in the basement, like we can cover everything, but it won't be as good. The price will not have been paid. And right now the universe is asking me to pay a price and it's not, we're not starving. I was able to, I I will be able to do everything I need to do financially, but it's not going to be easy. And it must be endured. It must be explained in the connection side. You know, my wife, the, the, you know, I have to know how to navigate support, faith, or um, sub, um, faith support versus results support. So I have to constantly be like, right now it's like, here's a result, here's a result, here's a result, right? And I know how to do that, and I know how to teach it, and the universe is testing me right now. It's tempting me, tempted me today. It's interesting. I was weak. Thought about it a lot. I almost committed on the phone. I was talking to the guy. I almost committed on the phone. But as my, my old friend slash acquaintance model scout Jamie would say as I needed I always have a, a rule where I try to examine decisions through all moods. And if someone tries to press me for a well I need a decision now, then decision's almost always no. On a big decision. If I haven't gone through the education bridge necessary to make the decision. So I'm on the phone with the guy today and cool guy, really cat and good at what he does. And he started pressing me. He's like, well I need a commitment now. I was like, I'm not gonna do it. Won't give you a commitment right now, Mm-mm. because the easy thing to do is give the commitment. Sometimes, am I saying you can't make a snap decision? No. Do successful people make snap decisions? Yes. But I know that the, that making that decision at that moment would invalidate everything. Wouldn't invalidate. It would be in contradiction to the, my entire six-month strategy, which is talking to you guys on the podcast right now so you're gonna have these moments and i'm expressing this to you for a couple different reasons one i'm closing myself to make sure okay this is what i'm doing i learn through speaking and part of the benefit of the podcast is just as much for me as i work out ideas that's why i can say some crazy things and um It solves any kind of political career for me because I'll never be able to go into politics because people will be able to listen to everything and just pull stuff and be like, well, you said this and you said this. Well, yeah, well, lots of stuff that I say that I'm working through sometimes I don't say quite right. I always get there, though, as long as I'm talking. That's just how I'm built. You may be built, built differently. But... The great thing about publishing and talking about your philosophies and your frameworks is you close yourself just as much as you can close other people and what you're doing. I listen to my own podcast sometimes a lot. One for to get feedback, give myself feedback to course correct. But two is like I close myself. I'm a human being. I don't. I don't always do everything perfectly, um, and my my mindset isn't always perfect either. But I feel very confident in the decision to keep doing what I'm doing, finish the book, go on the front-end offer, go on the on the low-ticket course, because there is no difference between you and me. If you're listening to this and you're stuck in a 9-to-5 right now and you hate it, and you see other people having successful businesses, and you're like, I'd really like a successful business, and I hate where I am right now, but I don't know how to do it, and I'm fearful because I know that... There's elite level marketers out there who want to leverage my fear into money and my attention and time. I've been there and I've stepped in those landmines, and I can help you. And I'm not leaving my wingman. I'm not leaving my misfits behind because with a decision you can transform from a misfit to a ranger. And the understory, which is the trap that you feel in, can become a place of learning and a place of, to where you can create a clearing where you can stand. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to deny anyone my help that wants it. Even you, Blind Lily. So what I want you to do is take out your Ranger Field Journal. If you don't have a Ranger Field Journal, Take out a regular journal. If you don't have a regular journal, for the love of God, go buy a regular journal. But for the moment, take out your unicorn trapper keeper from the fifth grade. Write down the word misfit. And if you're a misfit, circle it. And know that's not a negative. Just like it's not a negative for my son to run around like a crazy Viking and my daughter to run like crazy Viking in Gymboree. It's like, it's just, they're four and two, precocious. It's not their job to learn how to be lemmings and sit right now. And it's not your job to learn how to sit in a nine-to-five that you don't want to be in. Now, I'm not saying go quit tomorrow. But I'm saying there is a path out. I know what it is. At least one of them. And if my message resonates with you, then let's rock and roll. Get on my email list. Buy my book. And just remember, there is no end if stay in the path to understanding. If you are listening to this podcast and you are an online entrepreneur, I know exactly what it feels like to be you because I am one. I know what it's like to know that you are smart and work your ass off, but always feel like you cannot get traction. I know what it feels like to have your spouse support you outwardly, but on the inside, they're saying to themselves, is this going to work? And I know that you want to create something in business, but you always end up chasing the same dollar over and over. Or maybe you want to create something in the arts, but you feel like you shouldn't play there. So you wander in the forest stuck in the understory. I spent over 40 years there fighting the same monsters and bandits over and over. And when I discovered that if you learn what the understory is and you start to go there on purpose, you can find a clearing where you have clarity and power in your commerce, connections, and creations. You handle the forest like a badass ranger with the proper mindsets and skill sets that you need. Not once chosen for you by some guru or your parents, but chosen by you on paper, on purpose we can walk the understory together but i cannot find you unless you raise your hand and say i'm over here subscribe to my email list at understorylawyer.simplecast.com let's find your clearing together a place free of entanglements, a place with a bedrock foundation and a place where you set the boundaries not anyone else